All right, welcome back, party people. We are here for another installment of Legally Dirty Blonde, and today we're talking about day three of jury deliberations in the Maxwell trial. But before I get to that, I want to give a big thank you to the people supporting this podcast so far. Family and friends, you know who you are, but I especially want to thank the people who really don't even know me yet. Um, It really means a lot, and I want to give a special shout-out to Miss Ryan on Apple Podcast, as well as Rusty Dancer on Twitter, who have both given me some great insights. Also, a huge shout-out to my amazingly talented friend, DJ, and music creator, Devin, who was awesome enough to give me some of his amazing music to use for our second season. So check him out at underscore Devin James. Thanks again, Dev. You the best. And don't forget to follow this show on Instagram at Legally Dirty Blonde Pod and on Twitter at LD Blonde Pod. So before you get too bored with all that, let's get right into it, guys. Christmas holiday and that Santa brought all of you whatever was on your Christmas list this year. And personally, I hope that Miss Maxwell had a very shitty 60th birthday celebration and holding in New York City. But let's get right into this today because some shit went down today that was a little confusing, but we're going to do our best to try and get some explanations here for you guys. So let's start with the easy stuff. First note of the day from the jury came in around 10:30 this morning. And they were asking for, wait for it, super exciting, office supplies. Yeah, guys, office supplies. So they asked for highlighters, a whiteboard, and post-it notes of different colors. Where is Elizabeth Holmes, the inventor of post-its when you need her? She's also in holding, but I digress. More importantly, they wanted the definition of the word enticement. And as we well know by now, the enticement of a minor over state lines is part of the counts here. So it is an important question. There was some back and forth between the attorneys and the judge, but at the end of the arguments, the judge wrote a little love note back to the jury saying, Dear jury, we are gathering your supplies and on enticement, see the jury charge. So I am linking the jury charge again in the show notes. Again, I want to say thank you to the inner city press for this. But the jury charge they are referring to is on page 21, and briefly, this is what what we got. The terms persuaded, induced, enticed, and coerced have their ordinary, everyday meanings. So basically what this is saying is, hey guys, use your brains here, use some common sense, think about what enticement means, and that's probably what it means. For me, what does enticement mean? It means what did you do to get this person to do what you were trying to get them to do? You know, we all have our own definitions, but I think they should pretty much be the same. So next, next note, next love note from the jury came in around 11 o'clock, so not too much later. And the jury requested more testimony. This time they wanted the testimony of Jane's boyfriend, 
as well as Officer Parkinson of the Palm Beach Police Department. And just to remind you guys, he testified on day five, and he was the one who took the video from the raid while they were executing the 2005 warrant on Epstein's Palm Beach home. He was also the police officer that identified the green massage table that was brought into the courtroom for everyone to see and was kind of left on display there for quite some time. Also in this second note, uh, excuse me, I lied, third note, they asked for some more testimony, and this time they asked for the testimony of the second pilot that testified. This was David Rogers. Again, just to quickly remind you guys, he testified on day eight, and he went through the flight logs that were from 1996 to 2001. Specifically, those had showed that Virginia Roberts, who we know is not a individual victim here, was at times on the plane with Maxwell, as well as sometimes on the plane alone with Epstein. But in terms of this case, the logs also showed that Jane was on a number of those flights, and specifically, she was on flights in 1996, 1997, 1998, and 2001. And remember, she would have been 16 in 1996. And I think I said this another another time, but I actually found this pilot, this second pilot, way more credible than the first pilot. Um, you guys can tell me what you think. I don't know why I technically felt that way, but I definitely did. All right, now we're going to move into the more complicated stuff that might get a little convoluted, but bear with me, guys. So this last love note, like I said, kind of complicated, but stay with me, people. Uh, before we get into the substance of it, I just want to say the judge allowed the attorneys to thoroughly review the note and also photograph the jury note, which is a little bit weird, especially because there's no photographs or photography allowed in federal court, which we've explained in other episodes, which is part of the reason why that this isn't on television. Um, so, you know, usually no paparazzi allowed, but I guess in terms of the attorneys, they thought it was okay here. But the jury note was a question and was specifically as to Jane. And basically the note said, if they, the jury, make certain findings, if they can still render a guilty verdict. Now I know that really doesn't make any sense. The note didn't give any more detail than that. So we're just as, as confused by this as the judge and the lawyers were. But here's my take. Okay, so let's talk about counts two and four because they relate to Jane's testimony and her testimony is crucial to proving them. Super briefly, both counts two and four relate to Jane for the period of 1994 to 1997 and they deal with, I'm going to read them to you, count two charges Maxwell with enticing an individual under the age of 17 to travel in interstate commerce to engage in sex sexual activity for which a person can be charged with a criminal offense under New York state law. Next, count four, that Maxwell is charged with transporting an individual under the age of 17 in interstate commerce with the intent for that individual to engage in illegal sexual activity for which a person can be charged with a criminal offense under New York state law. Okay, so now you're probably like, what is this New York state law shit? Basically, the indictment alleges the violation of New York state law regarding abuse in the third degree. And in New York, abuse in the third degree is when a person subjects another person to sexual contact without 
the latter's consent. And this is important in the context of consent because of the lack of age of consent. So under the age of consent, you can't give consent. So that's where this comes into play. Now, Jane's testimony said that for the most part, the sexual abuse took place at Epstein's Palm Beach mansion, but that she did travel to New York and New Mexico where sexual abuse also took place. So what does this tell me for me? It seems like the jury is really going over her testimony as well as her boyfriend's and as well as the flight records from Pilot Rogers with a fine tooth comb and trying to apply the testimony and allegations to the elements of the charges two and four. So after the attorneys fought about this before the judge, the judge basically said, listen, None of us know what the fuck that this note even really says. It, it, was pretty con- it was pretty confusing. It really didn't specify much. So she said, I, I can't answer this ambiguous question with a straight up yes or a straight up no, because we don't really even know what they mean. So in conclusion, she decided that the only way to answer this question is to direct them to the full instruction for count four, which is on page 28. Like I said, this is linked in the show notes. And it's about the transporting a minor, you know, so basically the defense was not pleased with this. They don't like this response and they want the judge to specify that there must be a violation of New York law and not New Mexico law. But the judge wasn't really having this. Again, if this New York, New Mexico violation issue comes up after the verdict and plays a role in the verdict, I will definitely get into it and explain that for you guys. But right now, it's a little too much legal bullshit, even for me, and especially since it may not be relevant at the end of the day, and I want to I focus on what's relevant here. I'll, I'll get into it if, we, if it becomes relevant. But for now, just focus on what we're talking about here. Now, let's turn to deliberations and time, because I'm sure a lot of you are wondering when this is going to reach a verdict. Uh, personally, I'm wondering why they weren't forced to deliberate last Thursday and why they aren't being told to stay later to continue each day. It does seem like there's some concern from the defense that if the judge is to impose more restrictions on them, saying you need to stay later, that they're going to get the idea, meaning the jury, that they're saying, come on, hurry the fuck up, people. Let's get the show on the road. I personally think they've been given a lot of leniency here already. I've seen judges make juries stay a whole lot longer past 5 p.m. to deliberate, and I really actually haven't seen them give days off when the deliberations have only been two or three days so far. So I think the defense can relax with their concern about that. They've been given ample time here. And at the end of it, the judge basically said, listen, I'm going to assert my power here. And I was like, you tell him, judge. But she said, it's, it's within my discretion to set the default schedule. And she's going to do that over the defense team's objection. And the defense said that they asked her not to use the phrasing to complete their decision because they thought that that was pushing the jury to make a decision sooner than they would need to. So she said, listen, I'm going to use the same phrasing I used last week, but I'll add, quote, take all the time you need, close quote. And you know what? That seems pretty fucking fair to me. So... The jury was called back in, and they were told that the new default time will be 6 p.m. So instead of 5, they're getting an extra hour to deliberate every day. Uh, Last thing that I wanted to bring up, because I know I said I was sick and tired of talking about the fucking Lion King, but something interesting that my assistant web sleuth sister found for me 
uh, relates to this 1994 versus 1997 premiere of The Lion King. And you know what, guys? It looks like Jane was right all along. There was a Reddit user that posted and linked a Variety article that clearly shows that The Lion King premiered at Radio City Music Hall in 1994. So check that shit out. You know, I really wish that the prosecution had found this because we all know how much the defense is hounded on this in terms of inconsistency in Jane's statements. And this, to me, is clear proof that she obviously went to this one at Radio City Music Hall. That's what happened here. And I'm a little bit shocked that the prosecution didn't pull this out because it, it's right here. I mean, we found it in a matter of 10 minutes of looking into looking at doing our own Internet sleuthing. So why the prosecution didn't find it, I'm not really sure. Also, Radio City, where are you? Where were you? Why didn't you have anything to say about this? Anyway, I digress. But that's pretty much it for now. Um Next next uh, episode, which will probably be tomorrow, I'll probably talk about an Allen charge. And if some of you were like, oh, God, what's an Allen charge? It's, it's not that complicated, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. But for now, that's pretty much where we're at. No verdict yet, and I don't think any of us can really tell what the hell the jury's thinking, but they're certainly taking their time. So until then, hold on tight, and we'll be back tomorrow. And don't forget... Legally, dirty blondes have more fun. Mm-hmm.